tonight. So Acts chapter one, we're going to look at tonight. Tonight, I want to talk. Uh, I want to speak on the subject of man's will versus God's will. Man's will versus God's will. I mentioned briefly this morning on Sunday school how God often gets blamed for a lot of goofy stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with God's will. I mean, it's it's not God's will one bit. And I just I get aggravated by that when people are like, well, I really feel like the Lord told me to do this, and really feel like the Lord told me to do that. It's like, come on, people! You know, it, that God did not tell you to do that. And a lot of times, what people are really talking about is man's will. And it's like to say that it's God's will. It's like a power play. Where what what are you going to say against that? God told me to do this. Well, how about this? The Bible says something different, and the Bible always trumps what you might think God's will is. We'll get more into that in a little bit. But I want to look at a story in the Bible where some good, well-meaning people tried to do something, and they did it wrong. They made a big mistake. And the way they tried to manufacture God's will or make God's will happen, while it was well-meaning, and while they even used Scripture... It clearly was not God's will. And the same things that they did are the same things people are still doing today and then calling it God's will. So let's look at this story in Acts chapter 1, verse 15. Just remember, there were 12 disciples, right? There were 12 disciples and one of them was a devil. And that was Judas Iscariot. And in Acts 1, we read about the death of Judas Iscariot. You know, He went and hung himself and he fell and his bowels all... You know, gushed out. We see that in Acts. Pretty uh, gruesome story there. But then they need somebody to take his place. They need that twelfth apostle, and so they decide that they're going to pick somebody. <clears throat> and it says in verse fifteen, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, "The number of names together were about a hundred and twenty men and brethren. This scripture must needs have been fulfilled." Notice he's bringing up a scripture. Okay, this needs to be fulfilled. Whenever people try on purpose to fulfill a prophecy, they usually get it wrong. I know some people today that are trying on purpose to fulfill their interpretation of an end times prophecy, and it's not working, okay, because you know, we don't just you don't we don't look at a scripture in the Bible or a prophecy and say I'm going to make that happen. Okay, uh, it would be a bad idea. While we know that the Antichrist has to come, has to come, we don't need to help that along, do we? Okay, just because we know there's going to be a false prophet that's going to rise in a one world government, a one world religion, that doesn't mean that we all need to try to help that along, does it? Because we're just anxious for Jesus to come back. We're not going to do that. Those things that will happen in God's time, and here. He says, men and brethren, this Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in the proper tongue, Aceldama, I don't know how to say it. To this day, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. 
Wherefore, of, the, of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went out in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that He was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of His resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two Thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So right here we see the twelfth apostle selected by the eleven apostles was Matthias. And who was Matthias? Okay, And we know from as you read the book of Acts, it wasn't Matthias, was it, that was supposed to be the twelfth apostle? It was the apostle Paul. Right? He became the twelfth apostle. Jesus handpicked every one of those twelve he said to you know Peter and James and John, you know, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus Christ, he handpicked Saul of Tarsus, changed his name to Paul. He was the twelfth apostle, but notice the disciples had picked somebody else. They picked Matthias. And it they obviously got it wrong. It was not God's will. And God fixed it, didn't he? Okay? That that prophecy in Psalms, it got fulfilled, didn't it? But not when they thought it should, not the way they thought it should, and not by who they thought should fulfill that prophecy. And we see here, man's will was Matthias, but God's will was Paul. And many times when it comes to God's will, it's it's a battle between God's will and man's will. But yet at the same time, we never say this is our will. We always say it's God's will. They thought they were doing God's will. I mean, they, they had great intentions. They even used some Scripture. But God's will was not done. And I think some of the same mistakes they made are the same mistakes we make that cause us to miss God's will all the time. So what did they do? Well, first of all, they gave God a deadline, didn't they? Hey, this prophecy needs to be fulfilled. I mean, David spanked by the Holy Ghost and said, let his habitation be desolate and a bishopric let another take. This prophecy has to be fulfilled. We need to help God fulfill this prophecy, don't we? And so, you know what? Let's pick somebody now. Let's fulfill this prophecy. But God knows God didn't tell them to do it, did He? What had, does anybody remember what God had told them to do uh, or what they were supposed to be doing at that time. They were supposed to be waiting for something. Does anybody know? Yes? The Holy Ghost. That's exactly right. The Holy Ghost. They were supposed to be waiting for the Holy Ghost to come. That was the last command they had been given. They were supposed to wait. Or they should have at least waited for that. You know, hey, Jesus told us to wait for the Comforter to come. He told us to wait for the Holy Ghost. Let's not make any big decisions right now until this happens. And you know, maybe if they would have done that, they'd have been filled with the Holy Ghost and wouldn't have made that decision at all. They would have waited. But they gave God a deadline. They decided that it was something that needed to be done right then. And you know what? I see people do that all the time when it comes to God's will. Maybe they're trying to make a decision. Maybe a financial decision. And Lord, we need You to do something by this date. 
And if you don't do anything by this date, we're going to know it's okay for us to rob the bank. You know? I mean, you know, Lord, I know we shouldn't rob a bank, but Lord, I got to feed our family. And a man that doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. So, Lord, you have until you know five o'clock, you know, January sixth. And if you don't do something, then then. I'm going and robbing the bank. Okay, now I know that's an extreme. That's uh, that's going a little crazy there. But we do things similar to that. We give God deadlines all the time. And I want to I want to look at a few passages of scripture for you. Because uh, well, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to kind of jump around to some scriptures. But Isaiah 40 verse 29 says, "He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength." Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We see throughout the Bible a theme that we are to be, we're supposed to wait on the Lord. And we also see in those verses about waiting on the Lord, it's not easy. It takes, it takes patience. Psalms 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. In His Word do I hope. Psalms 37.4 Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. I mean, right there it's clear. We're supposed to wait on God. We can't fret. We can't get angry. We can't look at the ways of other people and think that way works better. And I'm anxious for this to happen now. We have to say, we have to wait patiently. And it's not easy. And I think all of us in here, if we were honest, you know, we would say that, you know what, sometimes in our, according to our will, let's just be honest, the Lord moves kind of slow, doesn't He? (laughs) Alright? I mean, let's just be honest. We do feel that way. It seems sometimes like God takes an awful long time. And the truth is, God's timing is not our timing. Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So right there we see that we're supposed to wait on the Lord for things. It's not easy. He doesn't do things our way. And so for us to give God deadlines, for us to pray and say, you know, Lord, you need to do this by this time, it's wrong. We shouldn't do that. We have no business doing that. Because basically what we're saying is, you know, Lord, for your will to be done, you know, it needs to be done this way. I mean, we're, we're kind of putting demands on God. And sometimes I think we might even be crossing a line and tempting God. And we're not supposed to tempt the Lord God. But we do that. Sometimes people, they'll do things that I like to call, well, some call fasting that I call hunger strikes. Or, Lord, I'm not going to eat until you do this. Well, what if that's not God's will? 
to do that. Okay? So you're going to starve to death? Well, the Lord will have to let me starve to death. Well, you know, maybe you will. The only time I ever see anybody doing a fast like that in the Bible where I'm not going to eat until this happens, anybody remember what that was? What was that? Until Paul was dead. Paul was dead. We're not going to eat until Paul's dead. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder if those guys carried that out. I don't think they did. <laughs> I don't think they did. And I think the Bible would have probably let us know if those guys starved to death. And I think it was just it's just safe to assume that at some point they gave up, they wimped out, and you know what? They should have starved to death. If they were men of their word, but they yeah, they didn't. You know they didn't. And I don't think that we ought to do that. We're basically demanding, Lord, this is my will. You do this right now. Lord, I've got a need. God, I'm not going to eat until you make me a millionaire. You know, Lord, I'm not going to eat until you let me win the lottery. You know, Lord, I'm not. You know, we can't do that. We can't do that type of thing. Okay? God's will is the goal. God's will is what's important. And we need to just. Trust Him. We need to wait for Him. You know, it's my will that every one of these pews be filled tomorrow, okay? And, you know, or next week. And, you know, there's ways you can make that kind of thing happen. But you have to step outside God's will to do some of those things. And while I want it to happen next Sunday, that might not be what God wants. You know, and we've got to make sure. We wait on him that we're patient. And it's it's not an all it's not always an easy thing. And these guys are like, you know, we're supposed to have twelve disciples. I believe, you know, it's God's will for his house to be full. But we're not gonna rush things. We're not gonna do things that's not just not our place to do. I can't save people. Okay, I can give them the gospel, but I can't make them get saved. I wish I could. I wish I could go out there. And just everybody I witnessed to would get saved. They, they should get saved. They're supposed to get saved. I wish everybody would get right and just come to our church. I think they ought to come to our church. But you know, we can't make people do those things. And sometimes we just have to wait on the Lord. And it's not easy. I can't make everybody give their tithes and offerings like they should. There's people that are going to rob God. And I can't stop them. I can't I can't make anybody do anything and sometimes we get frustrated sometimes and we start when we start giving God deadlines that's a bad idea lord if our church isn't full by next sunday i'm going to go pastor a church in colorado why because I like Colorado. <laughs> it's pretty out there. Or I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go somewhere warm. I'm going to Florida. And I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go start a church in Florida because it's warm there. And you know what? I don't like it. In fact, here we go. Lord, if you don't give us a mild winter with a little bit of snow, that's a sign that I'm supposed to move to Florida. Okay. We, we can't do that. Okay. That's our will that we're trying to advance. That's not the will of God. It's not even close. And we we can't put those demands on God. We're supposed to wait on Him. His ways are not our ways. What we are insisting is God's will or what should be done may not be what God wants at all. And we've always got to keep that in mind. And we've got to remember that. And these guys here in Acts, while they were well-meaning while they had the right idea in a lot in a lot of ways in the right attitude, they went about it all wrong and they did not fulfill God's will at all. They filled 
man's will. We don't know anything else about Matthias. We don't know, he, he probably was a great guy. But we don't know anything about him. We don't read about any great works being done by Matthias in the Bible. Matthias didn't write any of our epistles, uh, any books of the Bible that we have. We don't, we don't know what he did because he wasn't the one that God wanted. But Paul was. And we see what Paul did. We see the great things that happened with him because he was God's choice and he was God's will. And we, we need to, and so, we need to remember that. So they, they gave God deadlines, but then also, they just, they made a decision that wasn't theirs to make. Okay? Remember, Jesus handpicked every one of those disciples. They should have believed, they should have understood that He could pick the next one. Now, I can understand why they may have felt that way. He's not here on earth anymore, is He? He's gone and He's ascended to heaven. It didn't look like Jesus would be able to do what needed to be done since He's not on earth anymore. Well, He obviously needs our help. But here's the thing. Jesus did handpick the next one and it was miraculous the way He did it, wasn't it? I mean, the way that He... You know, that light that shone there on the road to Damascus that blinded Paul. I mean, it was a miraculous event that took place. I mean, just Jesus appearing there that day made Paul go blind. God had to do another miracle through Ananias so Paul could get his sight back. But once again, I can see why the disciples thought maybe Jesus needed their help a little bit. But you know what? Jesus didn't need their help, did He? He did it. It was miraculous the way He did it. And it's God that appoints people to these positions. And many times when we make mistakes and we go against God's will, it's because we're making decisions that are not our decision to make. And we've got, we've got to keep that in mind. We've got to remember that some things are up to God. We've got, to, we've got to rely on His providence. We've got to rely on the fact that He knows what's best. And when we pray, we need to understand that God knows what's best. That's why we pray, you know, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because we don't know what's best. That's why the Bible says the Holy Spirit, He may, you know, He speaks on our behalf. Because we don't know what we ought to pray. And while sometimes we pray and maybe we're asking for one thing, we've talked about this before, the Holy Spirit, He kind of makes intercession for us and says, you know, Lord, they're asking for this, but don't answer that because what they're really looking for and what they really need, they just don't understand it, is something else. Lord, while they're asking you to do this right now, don't, don't give them that because what they really need right now is patience. Because something maybe else is coming down the road later. You know, I remember before we got this place, I prayed that we would get another place. I prayed the Lord would work it out. No, Lord, work it out. Lord, we want this place. Pray that it work out. But you know what? God didn't answer that prayer and I thankfully didn't because He knew there was something better. And so, God, many times, and the Holy Spirit, they work together to fix our prayers because we don't always understand what we're asking for. We don't always understand what we want. That You may have been there before. Maybe there was a job that you were praying for. A job that you wanted. God did not answer that prayer because He knew there was something better down the road. And so He, Holy Spirit said, Lord, He wants this, but don't answer that. What He really wants is somewhere else. And we've got when we pray, it's okay to tell God what you want. 
All right, if you really want to move down south to Florida where it's warm, go ahead and pray for it and ask, but always throw in the disclaimer, thy will be done. If it's not your will, don't do it. You know, I want to go to Colorado, I want to live in the mountains. But go ahead, if that's what you want, ask God for it. But then say, Lord, thy will be done. If it's going to take me out of your will, I don't want to go anywhere near that place. And that needs to be our attitude because a lot these decisions many times that we're making are God's decision to make and not ours. And if the disciples would have understood that, I mean obviously there was no great catastrophe here that happened in this situation. It wasn't you know, I don't know the Bible doesn't tell us, but I mean can you imagine you know, Matthias, all right, man, I'm the twelfth apostle. Well, that's pretty exciting. That's a pretty pretty big promotion. And we don't know what happens, but I wonder what Matthias thought about Paul. I I, I really do. You know, it, that you would think that would that you'd struggle with that a little bit. Wait, I got picked for that. But Jesus picked him over me? Well, that'd be that'd be a little tough to swallow. Uh, that, that would take a little bit of humility. And so I don't know whatever happened with them. Maybe he left the faith. I don't know. All because they got they got in a big hurry. We we have no idea what happened to them. But so they gave God deadlines. They made a decision that wasn't theirs to make. But then they made this decision without the influence of the Holy Spirit. Remember, they should have waited until they received the promise of the Holy Spirit. God said, "You know, tear ye in Jerusalem until the Comforter comes." They should, you know, God gave them a specific instruction. He didn't say tarry in Jerusalem. Oh, and by and pick out a twelfth apostle until the Comforter comes. He didn't say that. He said tarry there, and they should they should have just waited. And you know what? That ought to be our attitude right now too. You know, a lot of times people are always looking for these new ideas and something new. You know what we're supposed to be doing as a church? We're supposed to be doing the same thing the church was doing back then. I mean, and we are supposed to continue doing what we're doing until Jesus Christ returns. Well, what are we supposed to do when we start seeing all the signs and the things happen that the Bible talks about? What are we supposed to do when we see the first part of Matthew 24 start coming to pass and the first part of Revelation 6 start coming to pass? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep doing what we're doing. We're supposed to occupy until He comes. We're going to continue preaching the Gospel. We're going to continue witnessing to folks. We're just going to keep on doing the same thing until the Lord returns. Because... He hasn't given us any new instructions. A new book hasn't popped up <laughs> in the Scriptures. And if it did, we're not supposed, we're not supposed to receive it. We're not supposed to uh, accept another Gospel. We're just supposed to keep on doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that decision that they made, it was a decision without the influence of the Holy Spirit. And many of our decisions that we make, the Holy Spirit's not involved at all. Many people they make huge decisions, and the truth is they never even they never even prayed about it. They just spur of the moment they did it. Big decisions, important decisions, and you know, and just praying about it. You know, it's I think sometimes we just go through the motions in prayer. Oh wait, I'm supposed to pray. You know, a guy sees a girl that he's interested in. She's pretty. I want her. That's my will. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to pray about it. Lord, can I have that girl? I prayed about it. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't really seek for guidance from the Holy Spirit. And seeking for guidance from the Holy Spirit, it's more than just praying about it. You know, there's 
we can go to God's word. Well, how do we find God's word? You know, how do we find how to pick which which ones to pick from the word of God? Well, there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, one we talked about this morning, not being unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, okay, if she's lost. Okay, lost. She's out. Okay, that narrows that. You know, it shrinks it, doesn't it? Uh, quite a bit. Well, there's all other things too. You know, the Bible says things like in the multitude of counselors, their safety. Seek counsel on it. Talk to your parents. You know, let let your mom. You know, get your mom involved in that. They know girls better than you do. And if you're a girl, you know, uh, and you're an interested guy, talk to your dad. Those are good things that will help you make the right decision. That's it's biblical. To do that kind of thing, and multitude of counselors, you know, get a lot of counsel. Sometimes there's people I've gotten counsel before, just because I knew that I probably was supposed to do opposite of what they said. All right, these people are foolish. All right, so <laughs> I'll see what they would do, and I don't know that's probably what I shouldn't do. I know that might be a bad idea, but I've done that before. I've done that before on purpose. I heard a guy this week; he was talking to somebody, and he was giving them some really. This guy's thinking about getting married. And he was giving them this great advice about prenups. Got to get prenups, man. You, you have to do it. Otherwise, I mean, you need to make sure that everything, you know, because if this doesn't work out, you don't want her getting everything. That house, she'll get it that you have. You know, this, she's going to get it. Boy, you got to make her sign prenups. And even after you get married, okay, anything that you want to keep when you get divorced, you make sure it's only in your name. If you buy a car. Don't put it in both your names. Because she'll end up getting it in the divorce. You need to make sure that's in your name so you get on listening. I'm like, he's telling this guy how to plan for a failed marriage. And I'm thinking, marriage is a sacred vow. It's a lifelong commitment. If you've got to make all these plans and they're, you know, if you're planning on failing, you obviously... Uh, there, there's something seriously wrong here. And you know, that is the world's way of doing things. And you know, these Hollywood people and stuff, they do the prenups all the time. And they probably should because their marriages don't have a chance anyway. <laughs> and they're, they're so far from God and so far from God's will, they might as well at least try to save some of their toys and things because their marriage is, you know, it's failed before it's even started. But that, you know, that's another, that's another subject there. But, uh, terrible advice. And we need we need to learn to seek out godly counselors in everything. And they didn't do that. No influence of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they made the wrong decisions. Another thing people do sometimes, and that they, I, we see they did here, they we kind of play games to decide what God's will is. All right, you know, we see here that they they cast lots. All right, and I don't know if that meant you're like casting a ballot. You know, they, they, let's hey, let's just vote on it. You see, and I would think if, if the Holy Spirit was involved, it would have been an easy, unanimous decision, right? But there wasn't. There, all right, well, let, let's vote on it, okay? You know, let's let's cast lots, let's roll the dice on it. Hey, guys, pick a number between one and ten. All right? you know, I mean, whoever gets closest, they get to be the next disciple. And you know, people do that sometimes too. They'll play games to decide what God's will is. All right. Well, I remember one time these folks I knew them and. Bless their hearts, uh, good, well-meaning people. But they had this ministry where they would basically drive to random states and leave tracks and rest areas. Okay, I mean, uh, and to figure out where they would go, a lot of times they would they would make their decision while driving down the road, and 
based off the license plates that they would see. So that's weird. They did. That's exactly what they told me. I mean, they saw like three license plates in a row for Texas. We're going to Texas. And they went to Texas. And they, they passed out tracks in Texas. Hey, nothing wrong with that, but I don't know what was in on that. I mean, they just saw three Texas plates in a row. And you know, that's probably not a good idea to make a decision like that. Ah, I hate Illinois. I hate our government in Illinois. I hate our taxes in Illinois. The next license plate I see from another state, that's the state God wants me to move to. I don't believe God's in that one bit. We play we play games with things. Well, if it you know, if it rains tomorrow, then that means you know God doesn't expect me to go to church. God doesn't expect me to read my Bible. You don't get to make up stuff like that, okay? You don't get to you don't get to play games with things like that. We don't need to lay out fleeces. Remember Gideon? Okay? How he laid out the fleece? God told him, hey, go fight the Midianites. Yeah, there's a lot of Midianites. Uh, Lord, are you sure you're in on this thing? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay out a fleece. If it's wet on the fleece in the morning and dry on the ground, or vice versa, I don't remember which one came first, then I'm going to know. So, and, and God did it. But then... Oh, Lord, I'm still not sure. And so he did it again. But this time, Lord, make it opposite. I really want to make sure. And you know what? God was merciful. God did it again. But you know what? God was not going to let Gideon go into that battle until he showed some faith. And so while God did those miracles there for Gideon, you remember what God did after that? He took his army of 30,000 men and knocked it down to 300. And Gideon finally learned his lesson and he shut up. And you know what? You can go ahead and lay out your fleeces and things, but at some point, God's going to make you have take a step of faith. And the more miracles that He shows you beforehand, the bigger step of faith you're going to have to take then. And I'm telling you right now, you know, yeah, 30,300, uh, that's a big difference there. But Gideon needed to take a step of faith, and we don't need to do that type of thing. I heard I heard a story of a pastor one time that was going through a tough time in his church. It was early on. He took over this church, and it went from like it was a pretty high number to almost nothing. I mean, just he ended up having a heart attack at like 29 years old. He was just under so much stress, and he decided he he decided if no one gets saved Sunday, I'm done. I'm resigning that church, and nobody got saved. That Sunday, and he called the pastor and he said, "Hey, you know, I, I told the Lord nobody got saved. That was a sign I'm supposed to leave the church." And he said that preacher told him, "He's like, don't you be laying out them fleeces. Don't you be laying out them fleeces. God put you there. You stay there. You stick it out." And he did. And that guy today, I mean, that church is gigantic today. Bobby Robertson from Walkertown, North Carolina. I mean, just an amazing church down there. And you know. Thankfully, somebody kind of straightened him out on that. But he tried to play games with God's will. And the truth is, it was His will. He was tired of the trouble. He wanted to get out of there. He wanted to do, he wanted to do His own thing. And we don't need to be making deals like, you know, Lord, I'll do this if you do that. No, if God wants you to do it, you do it no matter what He does. That's the way it's supposed to work. And we don't play games on God's will. 
We're not going to flip. We're not going to flip coins on things. Okay, when we have our business meetings and things here at the church, you know, we're not going to like, all right, folks, we're going to decide if we're going to uh, switch Bibles. All right, you know, there's a debate on which Bible you ought to use, and uh, I'm not real sure. All right, so heads, KJV, tails, NIV. <laughs> we don't, you don't. You don't do that type of thing. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it's supposed to happen. And you know, some things shouldn't even be put up to a vote. There's some things that's just the right thing. No, we're gonna we're gonna have a vote to see if we're still gonna teach on the virgin birth of Christ. That's really pushing it. You know, born of a virgin. I no, we're not even gonna vote on that. That's that's just a gimme. That's a definite. That's not our decision to make. The Bible's made it for us. We're not gonna mess with that. Well, we need to vote to see if should we start if somebody comes to the church. Maybe a homosexual couple, and they want us to let them, you know to to marry them. Are we going to do? No, we're not going to. We're not going to do that. We're not even going to put that to a vote to see if we're going to allow that. That's a non-issue. Okay, men don't marry men. Women don't marry women. And we're, so we're not going to do that. I've been meaning to check in our constitution because a lot of the Christian lawyers they're saying you got to make sure now in your constitutions that you. It's important that you define marriage in there. And when you define marriage in there, you have to specify natural born man with a natural born female. Because you have people now doing the changes and things, and it, churches sometimes legally can get in trouble because it looks like they're just making up the rules as they go. And I can't believe you even have to think about that these days. That's absolutely ridiculous. It makes no sense. There's some things... The decision's already been made. It's clear in the Word of God, and that's a non-issue. We're we're not gonna we're not even gonna discuss whether or not that's just no. That's not gonna happen. It, it's not it's not gonna happen. I'll let them put a bullet in my head before I would ever perform a marriage. A couple like that. I, I mean that. I just I it's not gonna happen. It clearly, is not God's will. But in this story, also we see. They tried to make God's will happen when they had no idea what it was. You know, they read that verse. You know, they quoted that verse from Psalm. You know, let his habitation be desolate; let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. They they didn't know what was going on. They didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand what God was going to do. And many times, when we make bad decisions that are really our will and not God's will. It's when we have no clue what's going on. And we're, you know what? We I found myself in that place many times where I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right thing is. I don't know what God's will is in this situation. But one thing we need to understand, while it was God's will for somebody to take Judas's place, okay, we need to understand that God's will is going to get done. Remember that story in Luke? Chapter 19, verse 39 and 40, where Jesus had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and everybody's you know praising him, Hosanna, blessed be he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees told Jesus, Rebuke, rebuke these people. Why they didn't and Jesus said if they should hold their peace, the rocks or the stones would immediately begin to cry out. Well, it was God's will right then for some praising to be going on. And if the, they wouldn't have been praising them, the rocks would have started praising them. Somebody's going to get the job done. God's will is going to be accomplished. And our job is just to let God use us if He wants to. And you know what? I want God 
to want to use me. I want to be used of God. I want God to use our church. But you know what? When it comes down, but there's there's going to be some things where that maybe God doesn't want to use us for it. Uh, we don't know. It's our job to let God use if He wants, but it's also our job to get out of the way if He doesn't want to. You know, it's I believe it's God's will for. Okay, we got a missionary going to Cape Verde. It's God's will for people there to get saved. Okay, but it's not His will for me to be the one to take the gospel there. Therefore, I'm not the person for the job. I wouldn't do a very good job. Now, Brother Nathan Fritz, he believes that that's where God has called him to go. So he's, he should go there and I, he will do a much better job than me. Doesn't have, it won't have anything to do with who's a more skilled speaker or who has greater Bible knowledge or, or whatever. A charismatic personality, good looks, whatever. It's going to have nothing to do with that. It's going to have everything to do with who's supposed to be there. Who is it, is it God's will to be there? And if, I don't believe God wants me for that. God's called him for that. Therefore, he will do better. And you know, whatever it is, same thing in your life. There are specific things that God wants you to do that nobody in this world can do it better than you because it's not God's will for anybody else to do it. It's God's will for you to do it. Therefore, you are the best for the job. And Matthias, I'm sure he was a great guy. Otherwise, the disciples wouldn't have picked him. I don't know if it was a 5-6 to six decision or if it was unanimous. I don't know how it all went. I'm sure he was a great guy, but he wasn't the one that God had chosen for it. God's will was not done that day. And you know what? God is often blamed for many foolish decisions. People all the time. God told me to do this. You know, God told me, you know, to leave this church and never come back. God told me this, you know, God told me to take my tithes and offerings and give it to the local animal shelter instead. Okay, you know. Okay. Here's and here's the and I'm I'm gonna close with this. We've got to remember this. No matter what anybody ever tells you God's Word, the Holy Spirit, and God never contradict each other. They don't contradict each other. If God's Word says not to do it, then the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you to do it. I really feel right now that the world would be better off if Brother Lonnie was not here anymore. And I really feel that God wants me to finish him off. Not going to work. The Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. So, I don't get to do that, and I and if I do do that, I can't blame God for that. And people do it all the time. God told me to do this. God told me that. No, He didn't. His word says something completely different. You're making God look bad, and it's a it's no wonder sometimes people look at Christians and think that we're crazy and they have horrible thoughts about God. Look at all the things that people do in the name of God. Wars and things have been fought in the name of God, and God had nothing. To do with that. God did not command them to do it. That was man's will, but they try to act like they've got God on their side, and we can't do that. We've got to learn to understand the difference between our will and God's will. And I think we learn in this story what people do to get them mixed up. And we've got to keep those out of our life and just trust Him and trust His word that He gave us. So with that, let's all stand together.